Hello, and welcome to the Modern Retail Rundown. I'm your host, senior reporter, Gabby Barco, and I'm here with editor-in-chief, Kale Guthrie-Weissman. Hello, Kale. How's your week going? My week's going okay. How about yours, Gabby? Yeah, it's okay. Um, We obviously, as usual, we have a lot of news to get into, so was very busy reading up on all of that. Uh, This week, we are going to talk about various topics takeovers, acquisitions, partnerships, and whatnot, uh, which are always fun. We're going to be starting with Shein and Forever 21 that struck a new deal. I feel like uh, the fast fashion worlds are colliding here, so that'll be fun to get into. Next, we are going to talk about Subway's sale to a private equity firm. And it's that's in that case, there's obviously a lot of acquisitions and consolidation happening in fast food and fast fashion. And lastly, uh, this one was came as a surprise, but we are going to be talking about Rolex's acquisition of Bucherer, which is the world's largest retailer. This puts it in, uh, yeah, consumer retail officially. So why don't we start with Shein and Forever 21. This is a deal that we both we're trying to wrap our heads around. Uh, <laughs> it, it basically, it's kind of like a conversion almost, uh, where Shein uh, is going to be selling at Forever 21 stores, and then it's also going to be selling Forever 21 stuff on its own website. So it's like a cross-contamination situation. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, that part makes a lot of sense because, you know, Shein... Shein is trying to get more mass. It's done pop-ups. It gets it in malls. Uh, uh, and also, Shein wants to make itself look more appealing, given all the bad press it's had of late. And so, you know, and Forever 21 is looking for any way that it can stay relevant um, and and with the times. The part that we've been sort of um, trying to wrap our heads about is this, this one thing that was mentioned in all the articles where, um, as part of the deal, Forever 21's operator, Spark Group, um, takes a minority stake in Shein, and then Shein is also acquiring a third of Spark. And so they're both sort of biting out a, a bit of each other and taking it to themselves, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. But, yeah. I mean, on the whole, you know... If you've read any coverage or talked about Shein and its war with fast fashion, it was always about how it was an existential threat to players like Forever 21. That the two are trying to work together, you know, makes a certain amount of sense. Um, and, you know, we'll, it, it'll all, we'll see how it all plays out, whether or not the partnerships work, whether people in Forever 21 buy Shein clothing and vice versa. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a big deal given the tenor of the coverage that, um, that's been written about these types of companies thus far. Yeah, uh, this is coming on the heels of uh, a lot of Shein coverage and noise. Uh, of course, it's trying to sort of rehab its image. Uh, it's had this negative, uh, you know, rep of its environmental impact and labor practices. Uh, we just saw that they flew in uh, some influencers into their factory to show them, you know, that things are great or <laughs> doing yeah. well there. And and they also moved their headquarters. So they were headquartered mm-hmm. in China and now they're in Singapore. Singapore, yeah. Um, and so it's a big rehab. Um, and if you want to learn more about it, you should listen to my interview with Xi'an's uh, head of the U.S. Uh, from a few weeks ago. But it's a it's a this is clearly part of that entire trudge forward to showing U.S. shoppers, hey, we're a good company. You know, we're, we're just like the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the same time, it's uh, 
essentially acquiring a bunch of physical space because Jian um, has tried, uh, has experimented with pop-ups in the U.S. Uh, One thing I've always always been curious about is that the sheer amount of items on the website, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how you fit that into a store. I guess it's a curated assortment, but it'll, I'm interested to see how they're going to be merchandising at Forever 21, which if you've been to a store lately, I mean, those are, uh, that retail, they're also trying to essentially rebuild, rebuild themselves after a bankruptcy in 2019. And the stores are just very, you know, uh, out of date and some of them are old and not very exciting. Yeah. I think the merchandising is a, a really great question because really Sheehan's value proposition is that if you're looking for something that is vaguely fashionable and extremely cheap, go on the app and scroll through and you'll find something. And it's it's sort of like an everything apparel app with that, you know, with that kind of idea. And so to to curate that and try to pare that down so that it fits with either like I've I've never been in the pop-ups I've meant to but I've never I've never shopped in but I've always wondered how what is it that they're featuring is it trying to is it you know tailored tailored to that specific demographic of that neighborhood but then with uh Forever 21 what are what are the clothes that it's going to feature there how does it figure out what it is given just the the vast scale of of the amount of inventory it has like the entire reason why Shein has risen is because it just like has thousands of SKUs, new hundreds added every day. And I, you can't put that into a retail environment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's literally everything you can think of. I mean, you can get like a, a charger on there or, you know, yeah. whatever you want at this point. It's, you know, morphing into uh, like more of a Timu. But I actually, yeah, as far as assortment, one more thing I wanted to add was that uh, Sheen has been also quietly trying to get into like a sort of this, higher end mm-hmm. I you know uh lines which you know by it's still you know fairly affordable it's more in like the sort of Zara uh H&M yeah. level uh price point and you know better uh fabrics and cuts and whatnot so it seems like they're trying to diversify and yeah move away from that you know super cheap uh product lines so that'll be interesting uh the other thing is that this how many owners does it Forever 21 have now? Because, uh, oh my God. well, because, okay, so we mentioned um, Spark and that is already a joint venture between authentic brands, which is, which operates brands like Lucky Brands and Brooks Brothers and Nine West and mall operator Simons. Uh, and now it seems like, yeah, also Shein is in on that deal. So interesting to see how that'll unfold. Yeah, it's a family affair or not a family <laughs> affair, but like, a lot of, I guess we'll say a lot of cooks in the kitchen. That'll be the metaphor I'll choose right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, like I said, this is sort of like the old guard and the new guard of uh, young, you know, women's fast fashion coming together. So we'll see. We'll see where this takes the fast fashion industry. Yeah, and I think one really, and I mentioned this before, but I'll I'll really impress this point now. I think it's a really interesting moment for Shein specifically because it uh, it gives Shein mall area. Like, I don't think Shein has been in a mall yet, has been in a, sort of a mass, a mass sort of retail setting. Up until now, it's had these pop-ups in, I think, more higher-end neighborhoods. They've been trying to get 
people who wouldn't necessarily think of Shein to think of it as a different type of brand. But now it's in Forever 21. And so this is a real test for, you know, will people still get Shein when it's next to the other types of clothes that people were buying before Shein existed? And so I think that's going to be a really interesting test. Yeah. And will it drive traffic? I can kind of see that. Yeah. Exactly. To those stores. Next up, we are going to be talking about uh, more on the food side of things. So uh, fast casual slash fast food uh, mergers. It seems like there's only a couple of companies now that own <laughs> every, yeah. every you know, drive-in place or drive-through. Sorry. Um, yeah. Subway is uh, officially selling to uh, the private equity firm Rourke Capital. It also uh, sort of operates these uh, other portfolio companies that operate Arby's, Duncan, uh, Auntie Anne's, and whatnot. And so the rumors started earlier this summer. The price tag was somewhere around $10 billion um, per the Wall Street Journal. And it seems like, uh, yeah, Rourke is the one that won the bidding war. Yeah, it's super interesting. They, of course, would not disclose the, the terms of the deal. According to the Wall Street Journal, it ultimately went for around $9 billion, and then there might be an extra billion thrown in there if uh, Subway is able to reach certain targets over over time. But, you know, leveraged buyouts were a really big thing uh, a few years ago, and then they kind of stopped. But now it seems like, the, you know, they're, they're back. Subway has a new PE owner. Um, and the, the fact, I don't know, there are a lot of things I find super interesting about this, but... Uh, it, you know, Subway was a family-owned brand up until now, and now it no longer is. And I can't think of another chain of its scale that, you know, that is anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it always gets me that it's it has, by footprint, it is bigger than even McDonald's, which is kind of yeah. crazy to think about. Uh, what, so, yeah, which brings us to the next point. Um, at the same time, uh, it's been in this sort of turnaround plan since... 2019, when it brought in uh, a new uh, CEO from Burger King, which um, had it basically scale back, actually. It had 44,000 locations at that point. And in 2023, it's down to 37,000. That's still a lot, of course, but this is supposed <laughs> to, <laughs> this is supposed to, um, you know, sort of streamline costs and whatnot. And it, it seems like it's helping. So maybe there's, a, yeah, there's a sense of like a stepping back and, uh, yeah, recalibrating, and we'll see how, you know, things go under this new ownership. Yeah, and I mean, I think that Subway probably has needed to sell for a while, but it also needed to prove that it could do, you know, a rebrand and a resurrection, and the past year is given an inkling that it can, you know, uh, it released some some stats at the start of the year to show, hey, our business is doing better, um, it's uh, Subway said that there was a 9.2% increase in same store sales in 2023 and a very rapid uptake in digital orders. Um, Subway attributed this to sort of the, the scaling back of underperforming locations. Also, uh, under this this uh, new CEO, the company focused to on working more directly with its franchisees and sort of making sure that they were performing up to the standard Subway wanted, and if not, they would they would cut them. Um, and so this was. I think, you know, every turnaround plan has many steps. This was the first one, which was massive cutting back, making sure that all areas are performing. And then that's when, you know, a a buyer like PE will step in and say, all right, now we can give you this amount of money and you can try and grow the business in this many ways. So, you know, 
it may, I think Subway has been trying to find a way that it could sell itself. And this was the year it finally was able to do it. But that being said, you know, there are still, Subway still has a lot of baggage with it, you know? Yeah, which um, I, I thought it was interesting the last couple of years, they've also been trying to refresh the image with uh, like these sort of celebrity athletes campaigns Um, they had, which they actually did credit a little bit to some of the sales that they're driving this year. You know, they had like uh, Serena Williams and Steph Curry and Tom Brady. And those can't be cheap advertising (laughs) methods. But, you know, I mean, it seems like they uh, they're maybe like, yeah, long term investments. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's smart. You know, try you know, Subway had probably one of the biggest PR disasters known to man. Mm-hmm. If you are when you have you know a uh, a spokesperson who then you know turned out to be you know a child predator, which is not good. Um, and then also, and this was a really interesting quote I found in one of the Wall Street Journal articles when I was reading, which is that one of the big issues that Subway has always been hampered with is that it had one deal that um, it no longer even uses, but is just like stamped into people's brains, which is the $5 foot long. And so like, when I read that, I was like, oh, I didn't know Subway no longer does the $5 foot long. And it's so true. Like there's this, and it's this association with cheap food sort of value base that Subway has been trying to sort of shed itself from. And I think aligning itself with higher tier athletes, these types of influencers is one way to do it. And clearly it seems to be working, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then with that said, uh, the they will be still expanding, uh, except uh, mostly actually internationally. So that will be interesting. They already have a pretty big international presence from what I could tell, but it seems like uh, Latin America and Western Europe are two big ones that they want to push further into. Yeah, one of the things they mentioned wh- when announcing this acquisition um, was essentially that Expansion is is you know the next big step, probably international expansion. Um, I think marketplace. I was listening to it this morning, and an analyst said like you know those, those exactly those two areas, Latin America and Western Europe, are the are are places where it you know likely you're going to see more subway locations. Um, so you know that, that makes sense. Find the areas where you're you're not you know. Subway is in a lot of places in the United States, even though it trimmed back its locations. And so you need to find new places where it's not as ubiquitous, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so we'll see what happens when the deal goes through. And uh, speaking of deals, next we are going to be talking about Rolex's latest acquisition. This one I was, uh, you know, browsing a little bit and saw it has the uh, timepiece you know, people or watchers in a little bit of a watch tizzy. Heads. It's watch heads. Yes, yes. Um, in a little bit of a frenzy because it is a big deal. Rolex announced it's buying uh, Bucherer, like we mentioned before. It's a 135-year-old Swiss watch retailer, has over 100 stores worldwide and uh, already sells uh, Rolex watches. But this brings these two legacy companies together under one roof, which uh, Rolex has, I think I believe said, has would never really do, right? Yeah, I think Rolex has for since the beginning of time. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, it's pretty much it has said, we're not going to get into consumer sales. We will manufacture the watches. It has one store, I believe, in Switzerland, and that's it. And, you know, because there's such a... Uh, 
there is such a vibrant retail ecosystem with with watch retail. Like you know, Booker is very, very uh, you know one of one of the bigger players, but there are also a bunch of independent watch sellers that you know wheel and deal Rolexes specifically. And so Rolex had, for the longest time was like you know that's not the area we're going to get into, but now it has done an about face and is like actually we are. And so I think that's a very interesting and noteworthy move on Rolex's front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the news also uh, just sent the uh, watches of Switzerland, uh, which is the you know owner of Rolex. The stock went down. Uh, the main concern seems to be that, like you said, uh, this industry is heavily dominated by independent and authorized retailers. And so when you have you know, sort of this direct-to-consumer almost morphing of these two companies, it could maybe hurt distribution to other retailers. So that seems to be maybe the big concern. Yeah, exactly. And I think that like so much of, you know, I don't know too much about the luxury watch scene, but it so much of it is based on, you know, the, the rarity associated with it and finding, you know, having access to specific ones. And so if you have one of the most important watch manufacturers also in control of one of the biggest retail stores, that's going to be a big issue if you're an independent watch seller in terms of competition. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I think Rolex knows this, so they did put out a statement to suit some concerns. Do you want to read it for us? Yes, let me read it right now. The Rolex Group is convinced that this acquisition is the best solution, not only for its own brands, but also for all watch and jewelry partner brands, as well as for all the employees of the Bukura Group. Um, So there you have it. Don't worry if you're... I did think the the final. It's this was sort of a throwaway comment, but they Rolex is essentially saying this is an issue of succession within Booker because the uh, chairman uh, is uh, Jörg Booker. He's the the grandson of the founder, and he does not have a successor. So I thought that was kind of an interesting aside. Like that's that's the reason they're selling. Yeah, I mean, there's all you know. If you're a family run company and you don't have a successor, you've got to figure out what to do. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think that is our show for this week. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you're listening. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Modern Retail Podcast to hear interviews with industry leaders. That comes out every Thursday, hosted by Kale, uh, who I think is going to be giving us a preview of next week's episode. Yeah, next week I will be talking with the CEO of uh, Body Health, Yuri Minkoff, who many people might know as the co-founder of Rebecca Minkoff, but he also, as it turns out, has um, an entire like health and wellness and supplement company that's been around for decades. So we talked about all things related to that. Cool. And of course, come back Saturdays for the Modern Retail Rundown, uh, except there is a programming note for next week. We will be out for the holiday weekend. So come back the following week. Thank you. Thank you.